Hello and welcome to episode two of the Sports Spouse Podcast. My name is Eric Noyes. And I'm Megan Noyes. And we have not podcasted in how long has it been, babe? It's been probably about two weeks now, babe. Two weeks. Our first podcast uh, came right before the game one of the NBA Finals. Yes. Tonight is game seven. And not to brag, but I would think that we could say that we were both right because I went for the Cavs, you went for the Golden State Warriors. It's... But we Seven both, games. but we both predicted six games. You yeah. said the Cavs in six. I said Golden State in six. So we're both wrong, but we're both right. Yeah, currently. I like, I like until tomorrow. Glass half full. And then one of us will be very wrong. Yes, they will, and, and it will be you. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Uh, we can't forget about our sponsor uh, today. The Sports Spouse episode two is sponsored by ESPN Mock Drafts, uh, helping guys with plenty of time on their hands draft. Fake fantasy football teams because there's nothing else to do until the start of football. I myself may have done a couple mock drafts. Just a couple. A couple might be underselling it. I may have done one or two. Eric may have done a hundred or two hundred. You can never draft enough fake teams. Is <laughs> what I always say. But thank you, ESPN, for making mock draft draft lobbies and giving people something to do when uh, you can waste time at work. Yes, or watching Game of Thrones aimlessly and looking at your phone. Yeah, that, that happens. Yeah. Um, but we want to start today and talk about uh, the U.S. Open. We're currently watching the last round. Dustin Johnson is winning. Um, it's been an amazing tournament so far. It's at Oakmont. Uh, I actually personally went to the last U.S. Open at Oakmont. I was living in Pittsburgh at the time, and it was the year Angel Cabrera beat Tiger Woods down the stretch. It was an amazing year. I was there at the green when Angel made the putt, Tiger bogeyed, and uh, simply an amazing U.S. Open tournament. Sounds an amazing experience, babe. Yeah, I'm just bragging a little bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a little bit of bragging. But I'm not there now, and I'm watching on TV, and there's actually a better view on TV. But, um... But there's nothing like the experience of being at a live sporting event, though. No, that is very true. Yeah. And now I can brag about it for the rest of my life. Exactly. But the reason this U.S. Open is uh, such uh, an amazing yet surprising finish is because Dustin Johnson, the perennial player who starts out extremely well, usually is the leader after the first round like he was in the Masters this past year, um, starts out extremely well and then just kind of fizzles throughout the tournament. He's actually leading right now. He came into Sunday... Down three shots to Shane Lowry. Uh, Shane Lowry was seven under. D DJ was four under. But now DJ is winning at four under. Shane Lowry is at three under. Um, but there's a little controversy. Uh, a little controversy. A little yeah. drama right now with this last round. Uh, what what's going on? So we're actually watching it on the screen right now. Um, essentially, so he did not touch the ball. I think it was on hole five today. Mm -hmm. Correct. And But he didn't make a golf move at the ball, and because the wind picked up right at that moment, and the ball barely moved forward, he is probably going to be given a one-stroke penalty. And it's very interesting, everyone's response. What do you think about it? Well, the, the best part about this, and you have to feel for Dustin Johnson. Oh my gosh. You have to feel for him. Actually, you can't feel for him that bad because he's dating Paulina Gretzky. Actually, they might be engaged, and she's fine. So I don't feel like that bad for him, but just as a professional, we'll leave the the personal life off, off yeah, the table for now. Yeah, I think that's for the best. But just as a professional, this has happened to Dustin Johnson before. So Can it, you even imagine? It was the U.S. Open. I actually don't remember. I want to say it was TPC Sawgrass, but I can't remember what course they were playing. This had to have been about six years ago, five, six years ago, 
when Dustin Johnson um, was winning in the last round of the major of the U.S. Open, coming down the stretch, and he was on hole uh, 17 or 18, and before the tournament, they warned that there was a lot of bunkers that had been filled up. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in one of those bunkers that was filled by grass, so there was it was sand, but it didn't look like a bunker, and he grounded his club, and as you know, you can't ground a club in a bunker. So he was assessed a two-stroke penalty when he went to the clubhouse to turn in his scorecard, and then he missed out on the three-way tie. So he wasn't even in the playoff hole um, But, you know, this is, this is a little different because, you know, they've told him, and they've told all of the players that he might be, slash probably will be, given the stroke penalty. So how does that change the way that a player plays? I mean, I know that you, you know, play golf, you know, casually. At, at such a, no, casually, <laughs> no, such an elite level, just like Dustin Johnson. You're right there. I mean, it's like Jordan Spieth, uh, Justin Johnson, and, and then Eric Noyes. They're knows right that. there. But how, honestly, I know that you can imagine what it'd be like. So how would that change the way that you're playing the game? How does that change the way that every player is playing the game? Well, it's funny. Once the the rule, well, the rule actually hasn't been made, but Dustin Johnson was made aware that this one-stroke penalty could occur. They also told all the players, like you just mentioned, and it's funny, almost every player, their next couple of shots were terrible. Right. And so, you know, we always say golf is such a mental sport, and it's almost like a cliche now. Of course, golf is a mental sport. Every sport is a mental sport. Right. But golf, you're playing by yourself, and, you know, you're constantly thinking and reinforcing yourself negative or positively. But it was interesting, once they told people that, a lot of shots were errant, and uh, we just saw Sergio hitting the bunker. It was it was yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, but it seemed like Dustin Johnson... He did bogey the last hole, but he's um, hit a solid drive after that. So it looks like he's just going to play his round. I think he'll bounce back. Um, it's going to be interesting, though, to see on 18 if he does win by two strokes. Because if he wins by two strokes, it's a walk-off. He wins it. Right, absolutely. If he wins by one, we have to wait for the ruling, and he could go to a playoff with whoever is uh, one under. And do you, do, you, I mean, do you think so? To be totally honest, I am not the... I, my expertise lies far more in basketball and football, so I have a, I'm new to the game of golf. So, do you look at that shot and think, yes, absolutely, that that should get a stroke penalty? Uh, no, I don't. And after checking Twitter before this, people like Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, and Ricky Fowler all came out on Twitter and said this is absolutely horse hockey. Yeah, they didn't use horse hockey, but they should have. <laughs> it's yeah. a great substitute. But uh, they said it was horse hockey because. One, they said DJ didn't touch the ball. He clearly, very, very, very clearly did not touch the ball. He didn't touch the ball. He did two practice strokes, and then he moved his putter over in front of it to address it, but it wasn't fully all the way, and the ball moved slightly because the wind picked up. Mm -hmm. So he didn't fully address the ball, and he didn't touch it. So he didn't make the ball move. So it should not be a one-stroke penalty. Mm -hmm. It looks like the USGA, just by the tone and everything that the announcers are using, that the USGA is going to assess him a one-stroke penalty. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting. The one way it would be cool for sports fans is that if it does go, uh, if he does tie, meaning he's up one stroke, then he gets to the clubhouse and they assess him the penalty, then he does go to a playoff hole. Yeah. We're watching free golf. You know, that would be pretty cool. Yes. To watch a playoff hole, and then he does win. It would be an amazing story just to see him win in a playoff, especially after what happened last U.S. Open when he was about to win, and then now. Um... But you still have to feel for the guy. And also, you're making the assumption that he would ultimately win. I mean, you know, there's always the chance that you have a bad hole. Shane Lowry is, would assumedly be the person he was competing against and would could very easily, you know, kill it. 
Um, we saw that he has played amazingly this past couple of days, and maybe that hasn't played as well today specifically, but he absolutely could go, and um, Justin Johnson could lose. No, no, he could. I was just painting it um, as a good sports story. As a good sports This is the only way it can be redeemed. Right. Because if he loses because of the one-stroke penalty... One, I think he's cursed. This is absolutely <laughs> yeah. insane. I've never heard of anything like this happening to a guy twice. Twice. Um, two, the USGA would get so much flack. One, for the ruling. Um, and two, for how they handled it. Not yeah, not they, telling him. tell him? That's the thing. Why they told they... him he might get it. So you, if you're the USGA, you have to do either do two things. You have to say, this is a penalty, yeah. and we're going to assess it now. So then you know where you stand. Absolutely. You know what you have to shoot, and you know what you're up against. But if you say you have to wait until the end, you don't know how you are in position to your comp- uh, competition. Right. You don't know what you have to shoot. The, just the ball's in the air right now. Yeah, which is I think is totally unfair. Oh my goodness. Um, we're watching. Lowry hit an amazing putt. We're going to see how it goes. It's right in line, but not quite strong enough. Um, anyway, yeah, I this is one of the things that has always troubled me about golf, if I'm being totally honest, because it seems like these rules are obviously in place for a reason, but it also just seems sometimes to be a a hindrance to the game and a hindrance to the players. So that's obviously not the goal of any, you know, sports uh, like football, basketball. Obviously there are rules in every single genre of sports that will, you know, be in some way a hindrance to the game. But I think golf, you know, when you can take away literally a whole championship Versus, you know, basketball where a whole game is played. And, yeah, there might be a bad call, but the whole game accumulates and is the reason why you are, you know, you win or you lose. Versus this kind of instance where it's, you know, a stroke penalty. I mean, I barely have tried to play golf. And getting a stroke penalty seems like a huge, I mean, unbelievable deal. You're minus four going down to minus three. It just, to me, seems... Maybe as a naive spectator, but very incredibly unfair. Well, the fact of the matter is there really is no other sport where a ruling comes at the end. Yeah. It'd be like in the NBA Finals, like there's two minutes left, LeBron fouls Steph Curry, and they don't rule till after the game's over. And right. they say, wait a second, LeBron did foul Steph. Steph, you get two free throws, and if he makes them, he wins the game. Right. Like, no other sport has that. You don't yeah. see that in baseball, football, basketball. But in golf... They're watching, there's there's officials on every single hole. Mm-hmm. There's officials that actually walk with each parent. Right. So that official knows, knows the rules, has a rule book, and they're looking for those small little things. Because right. golf, even the slightest thing can cause a one or two stroke penalty. Right. Just like moving the ball, grounding your club in a bunker or something like that. So they're watching, and then if they see something, it's assessed at the end. Yeah. It just, is, it just seems rough. <laughs> Woo! So Shane um, Lowry just parred. Oh, no, no. He just bogeyed. He bogeyed. Shane Lowry has um, one, two, three, four, five. Five bogeys on the back nine. He came in seven under, and now he's down two to Dustin Johnson. So right now, if the if the tournament ended right now, Dustin Johnson is up two. Even with the one-stroke penalty, he'd still win. And not to harp on this, but, I mean, I mean, he wasn't doing great in the beginning of the, you know, the first nine, but... Um, since he was told, we're assuming, about this penalty, he's played far worse. He's, he has played worse. So it is, once again, I know that it's you know corny to say, but it really is a mental game. And I think that almost everyone is struggling. And hopefully Dustin Johnson can pull it out at the end. Yeah. It's interesting watching golf now. We're in the, the post-Tiger era. Um, and I read an article uh, this week that the players really are talking 
about Tiger Woods and if he's done or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last time we saw him, he was riddled with injuries. Um, he did win um, a U.S. Open. He beat uh, Rocco Mediate, you know, who's on a torn ACL. That was almost the last time we saw him at an elite level. Yes, he played the Masters uh, two years ago and actually did fairly, fairly well until he had that heartbreaking shot against um, that hit the flagstick and fell in the water and he was toast. Um, but we haven't seen Tiger in over a year. What do you think is the future of Tiger's career? Do you think he's done or do you think he's going to have a late resurgence? Well, I will just say that this is why you never cheat on your a beautiful Swedish <laughs> wife. Karma? Bad karma? And beats you with your own golf clubs. Um, because, yeah, I, I mean... I know I, this isn't real and this isn't true, but to me, it's always seemed like he has never come back from that. I mean, obviously, his injuries just corresponded with that, but I've always... Well, what do you think it is more? And I, I mean, it's just hilarious that you bring that up, but it is true that there's been a lot of psychological damage to Tiger. Yeah. And, you know, we've never seen him in an elite, elite, elite Tiger form since that. So, do you think it's more his injuries that are preventing him from competing and being one of the best in the game? Or do you think it's that psychological factor? I mean, I think it's a combo. I know that might be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I think that Tiger Woods was just on such a pedestal. Like I mentioned earlier, I really was not very interested in golf, and I knew everything about Tiger, just being a sports fan. Like, he was uh, he was just the most elite of the elite of maybe all athletes playing at that time. And to be taking such a close look at his personal life, to, ca- to question his character, and then on top of that, to have these injuries, I mean, that's really hard for a person to battle. And I think it's a combination. I don't think Tiger is done. I think that he will be back in maybe a year or two, personally, um, because, I don't know, I really can't explain it. There's nothing just but a feeling. I don't know if he will ever be able to compete at the elite level that he was. But will he come back if he's not a a competitor and play in 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 tournaments. I guess the question really comes down to, I mean, maybe this isn't fair, but just how much he loves the competition of playing professional golf. Um, obviously, he could play golf at any place forever, and you know, just love his days. And he has made enough money for a million lifetimes, so he doesn't need to play anymore. I mean, that much is very true. But I just. How much does he miss the competition of playing against other elite golfers, really? Mm. No, I think that's a good point. I just don't see, you know, Tiger really is kind of an egomaniac. I mean, he sees himself as the best and he will always will because there's no more dominant figure in sports during his reign. Absolutely like, not. From the late 90s to the mid-2000s, there was no one more dominant in any sport than Tiger Woods. Um I don't see Tiger coming back unless he knows that he can compete to win. Tiger just doesn't want to compete. He wants to win every tournament he's in. So I don't think Tiger's trying to be there, oh, I just want to make the cut and see what happens. Right. Every tournament Tiger plays, he wants to win. And so if he can't do that, I don't see him playing for a while until he feels healthy and comfortable and psychologically in a place that he thinks he can win a tournament. And oh, I don't. And I, I don't see that happening I, anytime I, soon. And I agree with you, but I. I mean, I guess you'd be. I mean, obviously, I don't know the inner workings of Tiger Woods, but I would hope that he would be able to rebound sooner rather than later, um, because I mean, he was, just was an amazing person to watch. I, there's, there's no, there's nothing like watching Tiger. And like I said, I'm not 
the biggest fan of golf in the world, but I, you've converted me. And watching old Tiger tapes and just watching the amazing shots that he made, there's just nothing like it. So I, I'm in favor of him, you know, when he's in that mental and physical state to come back and compete. It was crazy that people, it wasn't just Tiger's play, it was his it was his aura and persona on tour that, I, and I saw the stat, that when Tiger was leading on Sunday, he never lost. Wow, that's when, incredible. When Tiger, until Kevin Na beat him coming down the stretch in the back nine. Uh, it was, I think it was the uh, the Players Championship. I'm uh, sorry, the PGA Championship. Um, when Kevin Na beat him down the stretch, it showed that Tiger was mortal. Yeah. Before he was on this pedestal that no one could touch Tiger, which actually was true. Mm-hmm. Going into Sunday, he had never lost the tournament. But coming down the stretch when Kevin Na beat him, people said, oh, Wait, there there is some a, a chink in the armor. The, the Achilles heel. There is an Achilles heel that Tiger can be beat on Sunday down the stretch in crunch time. And after that, we saw that actually happen. Yeah. Uh, over and not over and over, but it, it happened more and more. Yeah. Um, and so really, it was that one example that players use this fuel to fire. And we've seen a lot of young, talented players, uh, Rory, uh, Jordan. And even Ricky Fowler, and we've seen Dustin Johnson, we've seen all these guys really assert themselves as the next generation of young players who are dominant, Mm -hmm. and they're absolutely astonishing to watch. Um, But I just don't think Tiger's really ever going to be an elite player again. Wow. That's a really interesting insight. Yeah. Um, But we're still watching the U.S. Open. Uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, like we mentioned, has a two-stroke lead. Um... Uh, he's at four under. Lowry is at two under. DJ is playing the 16th hole. Um, and so he has three holes left. We'll keep you posted on that. See um, how this drama of the ball moving and his one-stroke penalty and shakes out. And assumedly, if you're listening to this, you know how it unfolded. But you might get to listen to our reaction, which, you know, maybe... It's even better. Maybe I'll scream. Maybe I'll lose my mind. It's just even better. Yeah. Um, but there's also something else tonight. There's actually two things. What? One is uh, more important to you than the other. We have the Game of Thrones. It's full importance, but... We're talking sports, Bouse. We're talking sports, but it must be noted that episode 9 of Game of Thrones is tonight. I've heard this being called one of the biggest nights in TV history, at least the last 10 years, with the U.S. Open finishing. It's going to finish probably around 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. In 30 minutes, Game 7 of the NBA Finals, which has been one of um, the the best NBA Finals, just in talking about drama, not necessarily the games, but just drama itself with suspensions and people fouling out and two past MVPs. I mean, it's been absolutely insane. And also, the Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And why is Episode 9, why is tonight going to be an amazing episode? All right, you're, get, you're letting me unleash my nerdiness right now, babe, and I do appreciate that. Um, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Tonight's called Battle of the Bastards. Wow, Rams. don't swear on, on a podcast. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. Ramsey Bolton, Ramsey Snow, John Stark, John Snow face each other. Boom. They're both fighting for Winterfell. They're both bastards. They're both bastards. So it's bastards. all in the title. It's all. It's literally a battle of the bastards. So the whole season has pointed to this battle. Well, I think in a lot of ways, not let's not digress too much from sports bouts, but I think in a lot of ways this is going to be you know the reuniting of the whole North, um, and that's really important because as the 
the White Walkers, the scary others, come on to the scene. The North needs to be united under Jon Snow. So essentially, if Ramsay Bolton were to win tonight, this, the North would be decimated when the White Walkers came. So you're, we'll move on after this. Yeah, you're, so you're... Expert opinion, does Ramsey Bolton die tonight? And who kills him? Ramsey Bolton does not die tonight. He doesn't die. He's too good of a villain. He's too entertaining to watch. He doesn't but die. But I thought no one is safe from George R. R. Martin. No one is safe from George R. R. Martin, but George R. R. Martin isn't writing the season anymore. It's This book hasn't it, come this, out yet. This is all HBO. This is all HBO. I think that uh, Ramsey will fall, but John won't kill him. My hope is that Sansa will man up and kill him. Um, man up. <laughs> and just kill him, um, but I don't think I think they will. So you think, but you think uh, the Starks and the other House of the North will win against uh, the Boltons? Yes. But Ramsey will not die. Yes. Okay, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> we'll talk about it uh, maybe tomorrow and see who uh, if you were actually right. Yeah, the the important things about sports spouse, you know. I mean, I know everyone here is here for Game of Thrones knowledge. I mean, if you want to hear me talk more about Game of Thrones, I'm here for y'all people. Maybe you should start your own Game of Thrones podcast. Now that would be fun. Yeah, everyone wants to hear my insights about Game of Thrones. Also, DJ just nailed a par putt on 16. He is still two up. We're going to keep you updated throughout this. Um, amazing putt. Um, it was about an uh, eight-footer to save par on 16. Pretty great putt. So you can tell his mental game right now is on. It's strong. Even after he saying looked, you guys Even, even telling his face, he looks strong. I'm not going to lie. I'm pulling for him. Just after all the stuff he's been through. And uh, <laughs> he he has a, uh, a drug-ridden past. Uh, he got kicked off the tour for a year for cocaine use. Mm. Um Paulina Gretzky might have had something to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, you can't blame anyone specifically. I'm just having hot takes left and right. Yeah, I see that, yeah. But really pulling for him. Um, So we'll keep you updated with that. But we do have to talk. Wait, before before we transition, I think a good transition. So I have decided to instill a new segment on this podcast, which is Stump the Chump. And <laughs> if you say stump the chump, that doesn't sound very hard because he's a chump. Uh, you're not a chump, a little chump, but not full chump. But I'm here to ask you trivia questions. You might be cutting that out, folks, because my titles are amazing. But what I'm going to do right at this point is I'm going to ask my beautiful, handsome husband a trivia question okay. and see if he can answer it. Um, so we're just, are you are you trying to stump me because I'm so good at sports trivia? Is that what you're alluding to? You're pretty good at sports trivia. Okay. I'm All not right. gonna lie. Just making sure. Just you making sure. are pretty good. I say chump to protect myself. You know, I'm trying to get to the elite status. So in the meantime, as I gain these trivia questions, I will hopefully get to a point where I can surpass the master, a Miyagi kind of moment. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. So this is the question. All right. The two, I'm asking you, which two Steelers players have the highest number of career rush attempts and rushing yards? So we're we're gonna let y'all think about this for about five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. One, you're asking me about Steelers players. I'm a Steelers fan, so if I don't get this, I need to leave right now Basically. and turn this podcast. Off. <laughs> Yeah. You can just do the rest by yourself. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I'm pretty capable. Okay. Um, uh, this is a pretty easy question. I hope I... I, I think I got, got this right. Um, well, Franco Harris. That's correct. Um, Franco Harris actually... Fun fact. Franco Harris actually leads the Super Bowl 
in Super Bowl history with the amount of rushing yards. Franklin Harris. Just just a fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. While, while we're t- doing trivia, just fun facts. Yeah. FF. So you're just dropping FF, FFs all over the place. Yeah. Next person I would say Jerome Bettis. Correct. Was traded to the Steelers. Um, won a Super Bowl with him in his last year. Played in Detroit when we beat the Seahawks. Um, amazing, amazing running back. Okay, so tonight, also on top of Game of Thrones, thank you for that commentary on Game of Thrones, Megan. Um, but the NBA Finals Game Seven is tonight. We are fortunate enough to get a Game Seven. Like we already mentioned, we both predicted Game Sixes. We would predicted you, the series would end in Game Six. Would you buy the tickets? Game seven for a hundred thousand dollars, as somebody did. So someone bought uh, courtside seats, two courtside seats for forty nine thousand dollars each. Would I buy that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, it is worth it. Um, although that's more than my salary, it's worth it. Absolutely. It's worth it. Absolutely. That's once in a lifetime. Yeah. Absolutely. What's like, and to see Steph Curry win on his home floor, it's going to be insane. We're going to see if Steph Curry wins on his home floor because I think that LeBron James is going to show you what he's made of. I think he's made of tougher stuff. I think he knows that he can bring a championship home to Cleveland tonight, and he's thirsty for it. Okay, but before we talk about the players, we need to talk about Cleveland itself. We hated on Cleveland last time. The city, not we're, the teams. We're not apologizing for that. No. But... It, we do have to address that Cleveland is cursed in sports. How do we know this? Well, we have so much data that backs this up. The Cleveland Indians lost, I think, the 98 World Series. The Cleveland Browns have been god-awful for so long. It's so bad that the owner moved them to Baltimore. They're lucky that they even have a football team currently. They drafted Johnny Manziel. They now have RG3. He's also garbage. Um... I mean, the, the list of quarterbacks that the Browns have had over the last 15 years is just actually hilarious. The Browns are absolutely cursed. The Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron has been in two finals with them. He's 0-2 in the finals. Even in the 90s, when the Cavaliers were good, they lost to Michael Jordan a couple times and other teams. I think Cleveland, just as a sports city, is fundamentally cursed. Why is that going to change tonight? Why is tonight the night that Cleveland okay, gets the title? Okay, so let me just make this very clear. I'm a big fan of the underdog. Um, I have been a Celtics fan my whole life, and for most of my life, they were awful, and now they're back to being awful. I'm a Vikings fan. It is heartbreaking to be a Vikings fan. Heartbreaking. But you know what? We stay loyal to our own. And you know what, Cleveland? Not the biggest fan in your city. You got the Rock and Roll Roll Hall of Fame. But you know what? You stay proud. You stay tall. Tonight it ends for you. This curse, because LeBron James is here to play for you. And he is going to bring it home. He's going to bring it home for you. He knows how important it is. And this is going to be a turning point for Cleveland sports. At least hopefully for Cleveland basketball. Um, because I would really, really like my underdog heart wants Cleveland to win so bad tonight. But are they really underdogs? This is something we have to talk about. They're the number one seed out of the East. Well, they have the the best player in the world is LeBron James. That's not Stephen Curry. The best. Oh wow, Shane Lowry just missed a putt for par. So Shane Lowry just dropped down three strokes from Dustin Johnson. Just keep giving you the live updates from the U.S. Open. Back to my point. Are they really that big of underdogs? They have Kyrie Irving, one of the best point guards in the league. They have LeBron James. Um, they have Tristan Thompson, who's a monster on the board, who's a mismatch problem. Um, and they have Kevin Love, who's also a mismatch problem. He has not been great this series, but I just don't buy them as an underdog, especially when 
Draymond Green was suspended, and now he's back. Uh, Andre Iguodala and Andrew Bogut are now hurt. So in this game, I would actually, I actually think they're favored in this game. I just think that maybe I don't think being an underdog, whether you are a true underdog or not, isn't really the question. Is you look at yourself as an underdog? I think that's the more important question. I think Cleveland absolutely looks at itself as an underdog because of the things that you mentioned. You know, it's potential curse. Um, it's you know the Cleveland Indians, as you mentioned, moved away. The the Browns, as you mentioned, have have had tons of different coaches like. All these things, whether it is true or not that they are cursed, it, as long as it's in your mind that you are and it's in your mind that you are the underdog, and maybe I'm speaking as myself, but I know that makes me play ten times harder. And I know that technically maybe the Golden State Warriors, you know, aren't the underdogs, but they they won the national championship last year. They have the MVP, the reigning MVP of the league. Like, there are just a lot of other reasons that maybe you're right in regards to the matchups, but in actuality, I think that it's how you view yourself, and I think perception is everything to a player. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so I think now we should have some hot takes for this game. We've seen six games of the series. We need some hot takes. I just want to analyze the past games. Let's get some... That is our new signal for hot takes. We're using that every single time. Okay. Tell me about Kevin Love. I've seen him on the side of a milk carton. He's been missing. I think some games he's had two points. The game when he was out with a concussion in game four, the Cavs won by 30 points. They actually played much, much better without him. Tell me about Kevin Love. Give me a hot take. I don't think he's going to show up tonight. I really don't. So you um, think, again, just like the past couple games, he's not going to show up? I don't. I mean, I hope that he does, but I said that he was going to be the X Factor for the series. You did say that. And I we, was we, wrong. You were very I wrong. I was wrong. Actually, Kyrie Irving has been the X Factor for this series, and it's not even close. Right. And so I think it's very disappointing. Um, I think that... We might even need to look at his future at Cleveland because if he can't show up so for that, a that was my series. next point. So they brought him in to be this this part of the three musketeers. So far, it's been the two musketeers. Yeah, everybody's second favorite candy bar. Yeah, but he's been absolutely terrible for them. He's not even rebounding well, which he did amazing with uh, the Timberwolves. He really is such a different player, and they changed him when he went from the Timberwolves to the Cavs. They really wanted him to be a more of a spot up shooter. Um, a stretch four. Which is not who he is. And that's not who he is. Uh, with the Timberwolves, he was averaging easily over 20 points and even close to 20 boards on some nights. He was a, a, a dual threat, and that's not who he is now. They have him playing the baseline, shooting corner threes. And I mean, so, and for me, I mean, my personal opinion is just if he doesn't fit into your team in a way that's going to be effective in a final series, you have to let him go. Or, like, there's, I mean, there's really no or. This is a final series that we're playing right now, and he has barely been able to be effective. So I'm not obviously saying, you know, he's awful, because obviously he's not. As you mentioned, he played amazingly for the Timberwolves, but he clearly does not fit very well into the setup that we've had, especially in this series. Oh, I completely agree. I think he's gone for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. The real question is, where does he go? Right. My first um, inkling has to be Boston. Boston has made it very apparent. Danny Ainge, their GM, has made it very apparent that they want Kevin Love. They tried to get him from the Timberwolves uh, before he went to the Cavs. They do so like past Timberwolves players. That's kind of their thing. They do like KG shout KG. out. KG. 
they want a, a power forward bat in Boston to they play, need it. To play with mean, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, that young core. Yeah. Um, they don't have the front court that and, they and need. And they need a strong, experienced player as well. You know. Yeah, and, and Kevin Love would be the best player on that team. And I think Kevin Love needs to be the best player on the team. He's but, not a role player. He the, can't play behind an elite player like LeBron and find his goal. Is, so he the, needs to be the guy. As a as a Celtics fan specifically, I would. I mean, I would just say that obviously Kevin Love, you know, would make the Celtics better, but he's not going to make them a championship team. Well, no. I mean, when you still have the Heat and Cleveland in the East, I'm not saying they're a couple pieces away. Right. But he would be a great addition to that team. Brad Stevens, I think, one of the top three coaches in the league. Um would know how to use Kevin Love and yeah. put him in a system where he knows Kevin Love can thrive. Yeah. So I think Kevin Love's absolutely gone. If he doesn't go to Boston, um, there's a number of different places he could go. He could go to the Lakers. Um, they have a really young lineup. They do. They need help in the front court. Oh, yeah. Um, so I could really see him uh, leaving the class. Yeah, he, yeah. And I mean, I kind of hope that he does. Obviously, you know, he's not going to have any trouble being employed by another team, but I hope that he... He really has been exposed. He's been exposed offensively and defensively in this series. He is the weak link on the Cavs. Which is incredible. Like, incredible. That the Cavs are playing Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson. Yeah. The same Richard Jefferson who played with the Nets. Yeah. With Vince Carter and Jason Kidd. Oh, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And they would, I, they trust him more than Kevin Love right now. Right, and as they should. I mean, as you mentioned, he's played so poorly that I can't even. It's just very shocking um, to watch. And as I mentioned, it's a it's a it's a final series. Like this is your chance to win a national championship, and it's not all of his fault. It's it's you know the system that he's playing in, and that's a large portion of it. But you expect the greats to overcome that and to play well no matter what. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so that's one hot take. Kevin Love sucks and he's gone. Boom, hot take. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how bad that was. Hot take. Okay, next hot take um, is Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving, I, I actually really hated on him coming into the series, and I'm a Duke guy, so I, I really I like Kyrie Irving, but I thought in this series he was going to be exposed defensively. His defense has been better, and I, it has been very apparent that his defense has been better on Steph Curry and even Clay Thompson when he's been switching. But it's been his offense that has been the difference maker for the on Cavs. We, fire. we knew LeBron was going to have this Herculean effort this series. We knew he. I told you his stat line from last yeah, last year. Absolutely. It was something like thirty-two, twelve, and like seven. Like some, he almost averaged a triple double. It was absolutely absurd. But. We knew who LeBron James was going to be coming into, in, yeah. into this uh, final series. We didn't know what Kyrie was going to give. And he's given an amazing, amazing offensive performance. In game five, it was. He scored 41 points with LeBron. What do you think his, it is why he's been able to have this offensive success? His three-point shot has been unbelievable. I mean, I have been so impressed by him consistently. Like I mentioned in our first podcast, I thought it was me, Kevin Love showing up. Nope. Kyrie Irving. I mean, I think that it's exactly what I mentioned before. Do you think it's the Warriors' defense? He's getting better looks because he's being guarded by Steph and Clay, who aren't great defenders? I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I think that he can overcome those defenders fairly easily compared to the other teams that he's played. But I also think it's the, you know, (laughs) no excuses play like a champion. Um, He has played so much better in this series and I feel like that he's played in the past series and I've just been very impressed by his effort. Yeah, Kyrie has always been, since he's been in the league, has been that guy who you know is just 
filthy offensively. He has all the shots. His handles are just absolutely insane. But he's never really showed up in those big, big moments. Mm-hmm. That's why he's not listening to the same conversation and I, and I as that, Steph Curry, as Russell Westbrook. And I know that that's not like, you know, that's not a stat that you can really look at, like who shows up in the big moments. But, I mean, when we talk about best quarterbacks, best NBA players, like that's an unwritten set. Can you show up in the finals? Can you be, can you not choke in the moment that you're needed? And I know, you know, like, that might not be a stat line in any, you know, there's no difference between how you play game seven versus game one. But to me, that's a huge difference between the elite and the great. Yeah. And I think tonight, if the Cavs are going to win, they need another 30-point effort from Kyrie. Absolutely. Because we don't see, we just mentioned we don't see Kevin Love having that kind of night. And no one else on that team can do that for them. LeBron can't score over 40 points. It's not going to happen on the road. We've talked about this in the past, like just in our casual conversations, but LeBron can't be the only member on the team. We've seen that fail time and time again. Like when LeBron scores 45 points, usually that doesn't mean that he wins. I mean, I think that when he scores... 35 points, and another player scores those 30 points, like, you know, maybe he hasn't had as much of a Herculean effort as you mentioned. I mean, for LeBron James, a true Herculean effort could be 60 points a game if he really was crazy. But that doesn't mean he's going to win. He needs his team to fully support him, especially in this Game 7. Well, that's the thing about LeBron and why he is so good, is he does involve all the four guys around him. Yeah. he Kobe... And we're going to get into this a little later. Kobe was never able to fully get the best out of players around him like LeBron. LeBron is one of the most elite passers and rebounders I've ever seen. I think he inspires Kobe's his teammates an elite, too. Kobe's an elite scorer. And Kobe expects greatness from his teammates. And so those guys feel like they need to perform for him. But Kobe didn't make his teammates better like LeBron does. Right. Do you think that... I mean, I think that comes down to the fundamental difference of like Kobe expects great things and LeBron inspires great things. Those are two very different things. Well, I mean, just the fact that we've seen Kyrie, Richard Jefferson, uh, these guys step up that when we didn't think they would, I mean, just shows you LeBron James' leadership yeah. and his expectations yeah. for the Cavs. Absolutely. Um, so let's do a little predictions tonight. Um, are you still sticking with the Cavs to win tonight? Oh, man. And is Aisha Curry going to be live tweeting this saying the NBA is rigged if the goal. <laughs> If the Golden State Warriors lose. I think that that will be the case. I think today Steph, today Steph uh, said that he's turning the Wi-Fi off in his house. <laughs> that should have been one of our sponsorships. Um, I, you know, I don't, my head says no. I think that the Golden State Warriors will win at home. But, really? But my heart says the Cavs. This is it for Cleveland. This is Cleveland's night. This is Cleveland's chance. This is its chance. And I, and I just... I gotta go with my heart. I'm gonna say the Cavs. I'm gonna go with the Cavs tonight. By a land, like a, a huge margin, or not is it a it's huge gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a close game. I agree. Every game this series has not been close. I think the margin of victory has been over 15 points. Which is every game. absurd. Like, but I, I did see a stat a couple days ago that I think through game six, both teams, yeah, it was through game six, the teams had scored the exact amount of points. Wow. It's the first time in NBA history. That going into Game 7, each team would score the exact same amount of points. Wow. That's, that's an interesting stat. So even though it's been blowouts, the scoring margin has been the exact same. And so that's going to be interesting. Um, and I really think also, just to go back, I'm sorry, but really quickly, to just to go back to, I think also, to go on the other side, we've been talking about the Cavs so much 
that I think it's also important to talk about the Golden State Warriors and how Steph Curry, if he's going to win tonight, he needs to show up in a really big way. Well, he's the MVP. He's the two-time MVP. Um, In the first three games, he has barely showed up, you know, so... Oh, you're no, you're right. Yeah. He... The past couple games, he has been playing well. The first three games, he was playing poorly. But games four, five, and six, he has played better. He has he's played He's been much scoring better. over 25 points. He's been shooting well from three. It's it's actually not been his three percentage. It's been everything else. Yeah. Usually, he's, he's good at uh, creating opportunities. He gets in the paint. But now, he's not doing that. And right. And there's been a lot of different theories as to why. Is it his knee? Is it something else? What is really bothering Steph? Why are we not seeing the same quick, filthy Steph Curry um, personally, I think he's still ailing, uh, that knee injury is still ailing him. That's why he dropped out of the, uh, Rio Olympics. He wants to nurse it this summer, but I think he's going to play like we saw him in regular season. He's going to play with that form. This is game seven. The, everything is on the line tonight. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, it's, it's just important. The elite players come to play for game seven and it's really important for Steph Curry to be there, to be the elite Steph Curry, not game one, two, three Steph Curry, but be four, five, six Steph Curry. Yeah, and I think if if the Golden State Warriors are going to win, I really don't think it's going to be one of those like thirty-five points from Steph and thirty from Clay. I think tonight is going to be the Golden State Warriors are going to win, but it's going to be one of those everyone plays really well for them. Mm-hmm. I think Steph's going to have like twenty-eight, Clay's going to have twenty, Draymond's going to have eighteen, Iggy's going to have fifteen. Off the bench, uh, bench Livingston's going to have probably 12. Barbosa's going to have 8. It's going to be one of those games where everyone plays well. This is at home. They're comfortable with uh, this court. The crowd's going to be going absolutely insane. I don't see it. it I think it's really going to be a team win. Yeah. Whereas it, if the Cavs win, it's going to have to be Kyrie and LeBron putting it on their shoulders. I think Golden State, if they do win, it's going to be one of those team wins. Absolutely. So we'll have to see tonight. Uh, we're so excited to watch that. The game is actually starting in about five minutes. Um, so we'll uh, talk about it tomorrow in our episode three of the Sports Pass podcast. And we do have to do, cause, because you said later that we were going to talk about this, just a quick five-minute debate about LeBron v. Kobe. LeBron v. Kobe. Yeah, so every uh, we've talked about what is Sports Pass. So Sports Pass, we talk about what's currently going on, but we also like to talk, give you a little ammunition for your bar conversations. Yes. That's really why we started this. We had a thousand over the past four years since we've known each other of little things like, who's a better quarterback, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning? Both have two Super Bowls. Okay, I never went for Eli Manning. Let's just be honest about that. Let's. I'm just saying things like that. I guess, but no one's picking Eli Manning in that matchup. You could. I mean, they've each won two if Super I'm, Bowls. If I'm a biased Giants and, fan. And you could argue easily that... Eli has beaten a better team in both Super Bowls. Oh, well, he did beat both teams, but that's because he's weirdly Tom Brady's kryptonite, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, him and the Giants. Um, But we've had all these conversations, so we want to give you some ammo. So our great debate of today is LeBron-Kobe. It's especially poignant today because LeBron is playing tonight. Yeah. This really is a legacy game for LeBron. Yeah. So right now, he's 2-4 and four in finals. Yes. If he loses this, he'd be 2-5. 2-5? Two and, five. Two and five. To be the best player in the world and two be 2-5? Two 2-5. And five? And five. You'd really have to have a conversation about, is he the best player in the world? We know that skills-wise, he absolutely is, but... To go two and five, I mean, it'd be a real conversation to say that he might not be the best player in the world, especially if Stephon Curry well, right, goes 
two and no, zero. But the thing is, you do have to say, I mean, that's a whole different conversation of who is the best player in the world. I mean, looking at what LeBron did in game six and who he is as a player, I personally think he's the best player in the well, world. Skills, Steph is the best. Skills-wise, there's, there's not, it's not even close. Steph's the best shooter in the world, but skills-wise, rebounding, assists, scoring, he has outscored Steph. He's out-rebounded, out-assisted. He's been more integral to his team. The, and was, a better captain you could take, overall. You could take Steph out of the, the Golden State and they'd play better than LeBron out of and, Cavs. And this isn't the conversation that we're having, but I, my, my only point is that if LeBron goes 2-5, and five, I mean... We all, every great sports bar conversation goes back to Michael Jordan, and we all know that Michael Jordan would never go two and five because he didn't. I mean, we have that in history books that that's not what happened. And so, I mean, it's unfair in some ways that we have this amazing, the best player that ever played the game to compete to compare with everybody else. Um, but it's just incredible. And um, right now, Dustin Johnson is minus five. Yeah, he's five under. He just birdied 18, which means he's four um, up on the next closest person, Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry can't make up four strokes in two holes. So it looks like Dustin Johnson, even with the penalty, actually, Shane Lowry is going to have to, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So DJ, even with maybe a one-trick penalty, is going to win outright. Which is awesome. couldn't feel better for him. Absolutely. Um, but the LeBron-Kobe debate. Okay, so Kobe has won five championships. LeBron has won two. Kobe was in six. For the for the Boston, the win that Boston won, did they beat the Lakers? Yes. Yeah, they beat the Lakers. And then that was the year after Kobe beat the Celtics. Correct. Okay. So Kobe is five and one in finals. Yes. LeBron's two and five. Right. Kobe has had, I was I would say Kobe's had better supporting cast, but LeBron did have four years of Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Right. Which is a great supporting cast. Well, they were the best team in the league, and they lost their first one yeah. to the Mavericks, which they should have never lost. And then they also lost their last one but, uh, with that full three together in a huge decimation by the Spurs. Correct. Who were out for blood after the, the Heat barely beat them because of Ray Allen's Desperation 3. Yeah. The year before. Ray Allen, man. I Allen. He is my man. He played for UConn. Rep UConn. He then, you know, played for the Sonics, whatever, Supersonics. And then he went back to Boston and killed it. And you know what? I can't ever hate him. He's my man. I know that that's not the point of this conversation, but I just want to say that just for the record. A little sidebar. A little sidebar. Okay. Fine with the sidebar. But we have to talk about LeBron Kobe. <laughs> so, like, history books. Like, going out in NBA history, if you're making your top ten, who's higher? LeBron or Kobe? LeBron. Absolutely LeBron. You don't does you tonight Does tonight change anything? I mean, yeah. It changes it. It's... Okay. So, I think, as you mentioned, skills-wise, LeBron outplays Kobe. I mean, Kobe's a much better shooter in the same way that Stephon Curry is a better shooter. He's a much better scorer. Yeah, right. But LeBron's better at everything else. At everything else. So everything else matters a lot. But, I mean, it's kind of what we just, what I mentioned earlier, that there's no stat line for who shows up and who plays elite in the game to win the championship. And who has? Kobe. Kobe has. But that's why I'm not that's, LeBron. That's why I'm that's why I'm agreeing with you that tonight matters a lot for that legacy for LeBron James. I think he, he would wins, still be three and five in finals. But I think a lot of that has to do with his supporting cast and I think that he 
you know, with the heat, he hadn't dealt with the heat as well. I know that's a lot of maybe excuses, but it's true. And I think when we look back on LeBron James, I mean, if he wins tonight, I think he'll, I mean, he's still fairly young. He still has time to win more championships. Kobe's done. So I think that he definitely could win potentially five championships. But I think it's ultimately very important that he shows up tonight to win. Um, because if he doesn't win tonight, then I, I think that that question is a, is a really very valid question to be asking who is better, Kobe or LeBron. To me, it seems like LeBron is very clearly better, more dominant in every other way. And even as a scorer, he's a great scorer. Like, he's not, you know, he may not be Kobe elite, but he is an amazing scorer. So I think overall player, LeBron, but can he show up? to win an NBA Finals. Well, LeBron has absolutely won more personal accolades, like MVPs and um, Defensive Players of the Years and scoring titles and stuff like that than Kobe. Like, that has happened. But what Kobe... Kobe's competitiveness has, I think, asserted him atop LeBron. One, because of his NBA Finals record. That Yes, he had Shaq for the first three, and he had a good cast of Pau Gasol and Meta Ward Peace and... <laughs> for his next two. But still, Kobe was the best player on those last two teams um, and did win those last two. But he was the best player. Yeah. And yes, LeBron's the best player and he's been the best player, but they still haven't won. And Kobe has asserted his team as a winning team and LeBron hasn't. And we've seen that over and over again. But I guess, I mean, Kobe, I guess my point is just Kobe's history is written. I mean, he's no longer a player in the NBA versus LeBron who still has time. And... I think we probably both agree, you can disagree with me if you disagree, that tonight will be a really big game in regards to LeBron's legacy. No, it absolutely will be. I'm just saying, from what we've seen from LeBron, he hasn't been amazing in one game sevens. He hasn't been amazing down the stretch in the clutch. We've seen him actually give up in series versus the Celtics his last year with the Cavs. He gave up. I mean, we've seen him. Kobe... He's a much younger player then, though. But that doesn't change your competitive nature. I mean, it doesn't you change are. your competitive nature, but it changes how mature you are and different things. And also, if we're going to get into that, then we also have to talk about do, do Kobe's first two or three championships really matter? Because he had Shaq helping him with that. Because I know that that was a big chip on his shoulder for a couple of years is that Everyone was saying Shaq is the reason that he won these NBA titles, and then he won them by himself, and then, you know, then he was able to kind of shake that off. But, I mean, he did have Shaq, who was a, such a dominant player. And, I mean, as great as Dwayne Wade is, he is not as dominant as Shaq. No, he's not as dominant as Shaq, but you also just have to look at not just Dwayne Wade, but Chris Bosh and the supporting cast. And but he, I still think LeBron, even as a combo, that's not as dominant as Shaq. So, I at mean, the time, the dominant. Lakers were the best team in the league, and at the time, the Miami Heat were the best team in the league. So those two things cancel out. But I don't think that's really fair because you need to look at the actual players that are playing the game. Like, I think it's really important to look at who Kobe Bryant was playing with. And he was playing with a elite Shaquille O'Neal no, at was, the time. No, he was the best player in the league at the time. There's right. no doubt about it. Shaq won the finals MVP, I think, all three years. Right. Because it's Shaq. Right. I mean, absolutely. The thing is, Kobe won two more after Shaq. LeBron has not won any since Dwayne Wade. Which is why... So I know we're talking about that LeBron still has time, and tonight absolutely will change that. If he wins one without Dwayne Wade, 
and without Chris Bosh and without that Heat team, then we're going to look at LeBron James differently. But until LeBron wins that finals without the Heat, Kobe's better, bar none. I disagree. I disagree. Why? I mean, I guess it just depends. Are you talking about legacy or are you talking about actual player? Because right now, We're talking Kobe, about legacy. With this whole conversation, we've been talking about the history So, yes. Books. So, right now, Kobe has a better legacy because he's done. A better body of work. Yes. He has a better body of work because his body of work is complete. So, I'm saying right now, you can argue Kobe better. Absolutely, you yes, can. Yes. That's what, that's what the but this time, Do you think LeBron can write a legacy better than Kobe's? I think it could be an argument. Absolutely. I think that LeBron is a better player than Kobe Bryant. I think that is true. And I think that if he can inspire players tonight to play at an elite level to win a championship, and I think if he continues that pattern of being a strong captain for his team, there can be a strong argument to be made. Today, I may have to semi-concede with you that LeBron, I mean, that Kobe has a better legacy he as of better, today. He has a better resume than LeBron. Uh, yes. I mean, if you're not talking about, like you said, the specific athletes, like, you know, MVPs and things and, like and that. those guys don't care about those things. Story, right. Scoring well, titles because and all once that you're stuff. That, and all-stars, no one cares about that. People you, care about titles. Once and, you're that good. Right. Exactly. And I agree with you. And I think that for LeBron, those five games have haunted him. I mean, those four games have haunted him. And I think that's why tonight, that if he doesn't win, it really says that, like, he might not be able to perform at, like, crunch time, which might be unfair because it could very well be because of his supporting cast, but ultimately history is going to be looking at him. History judges titles. Absolutely. There's no getting around that. That's true. All of the greats have titles. Um, And so if LeBron doesn't get his career record in NBA finals up, we're always going to look at LeBron with a tented lens. And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, just look at, for example, Dan Marino. I mean, if Dan Marino had played with an elite well, if he wide won, receiver if he line. Won, well, he had elite players around him. Um, like, Dan Marino really did. But he's just his team never won. It never won. And so if, if, if Dan Marino's team won, like, two Super Bowls, we would be talking about Dan Marino as the best quarterback of all time. Exactly. Like, but but he hasn't, and versus Joe Montana. And so now Joe Montana gets the nod. Four Super Bowl wins. Now Tom Brady gets the nod. Now John Elway gets the nod. They all have titles by their name, but Dan Marino doesn't. So we look at, in history, we look at him differently. Yeah. LeBron, it's going to be the same thing. Absolutely. We're going to look at MJ. We're going to look at Kobe. We're going to look at Wilt Chamberlain. We're going to look at Bill Russell. We're going to look at Shaq. We're going to look at all uh, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, yeah. All these players ahead of LeBron just because of that titles record. And maybe it's not fair based on LeBron's supporting cast, especially his first one when the Cavs played the Spurs. They didn't, the it Cavs, wasn't fair. It wasn't, the Cavs didn't have any business being there, and that right. Spurs team was elite and in its prime. Right. So, like, yes, you would say it's two and four. That's... Uh, or it's two and three right now, but it's still terrible. Yeah. And so we'll see. This, we'll say LeBron plays another six years. We'll see how that ends up. But tonight will be the deciding factor. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that closes out our discussion tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to Sports Spouse Episode 2. We are, are just over the moon about what's going on in sports right now. So excited to see uh, this NBA season end, how it unfolds. There's historical implications of this game tonight, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. And... Uh, uh, because we missed a week, which was on us because we just had so much going on, we're going to do another Sports Pass episode tomorrow. Um, Recapping the NBA Finals Game 7. Absolutely. Recapping the U.S. Open, seeing what happened there. And right now, it is certain that Dustin Johnson just won 
the U.S. Open, which is absolutely awesome, awesome for him. Woo! I promise a great uh, response for listening to our uh, critique of this, even though they already know what's happened. So yay, Dustin Johnson, the best. Good job. Yeah, very excited for him. So thank you for listening. Uh, this is Sports Pals. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.